it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. What's up, everyone? It's uh, Tea with Mike. Uh, joining me for this episode was uh, Paul Figla, CEO and co-founder of Dub Network. Uh, Dub Network uh, focuses in on uh, uh, media, uh, the media aspect and also the statistical aspect of hockey. I'm largely focusing in on the Western Hockey League. Come learn about how Paul fell in love with hockey at Dub Network's future vision. So grab your skates and your cup of tea. And come- Hi guys, welcome uh, to another episode of Tea with Mike. Uh, joining me for this one is hockey enthusiast uh, Paul. Uh, welcome to uh, Tea with Mike, Paul. Hey Mike, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. So let's just jump right in. And do you want to start by telling everyone all about you? Sure. I'm uh, 37 years old. I live in Red Deer, Alberta. Um, I have two children that are biological, two stepkids, a fiance. We were supposed to be getting married on May 16th, but because of the virus, we won't be able to. Um, Yeah, I'm a real hockey enthusiast. My favorite NHL team is the Winnipeg Jets, and I run a company called dubnetwork.ca. Awesome, man. So, yeah, yeah, obviously, very unfortunate about the wedding, but... Uh, obviously it's going to happen in the, the future so I guess one perspective to look at it is just building up the excitement it's like a big movie <laughs> yeah we've been waiting quite a while already and mm. it was kind of unfortunate but we'll probably schedule it for like next year sometime awesome man good luck with that one and then so I, let's start at the beginning how did you uh, fall in love with hockey oh geez um I think when I was really <laughs> young when I was really young, quite a few years ago, my mom used to let me watch TV in my bedroom, and oftentimes that meant uh, Saturday night hockey on Hockey Night in Canada. And I just fell in love with hockey in uh, the in, in Winnipeg. That's where I lived at the time, and just from there, it just kept on going. I'm also a really big numbers guy, and I think that I was intrigued by statistics, right? Oh, interesting. And so I read the newspaper a lot, and the newspaper really... Uh, whet my appetite for numbers and statistics and so having those things to do with hockey was really important to me also and then so if we're talking about hockey in general is that your favorite part about hockey learning more about the players through their statistics versus necessarily the on punch up the punches up on ice there's a lot of stuff that really intrigues me about hockey i really enjoy the numbers and uh, doing what we do with Dub Network, I really, really enjoy the, um, the getting to know the people and the players that are involved in hockey and just meeting all types of different people from all different types of walks of life. It's really fun and interacting with fans and people around the hockey world is really, really exciting for me. Awesome. And then do you have a standout uh, hockey moment from uh, your childhood? Uh, from my childhood, you know what, I, I played a little bit of hockey, but I didn't play it at like a very elite level or anything like that. But um, when the Winnipeg Jets left Winnipeg, they moved to Phoenix and I uh, became a fan of a new team that also just moved, the Colorado Avalanche. And so I remember when they won their first Stanley Cup and Joe Sackick is my favorite hockey player of all time. So really exci- uh, it was a really exciting moment to watch him hoist the Stanley Cup. Well, awesome, man. And then, so as um, as as some people may know, uh, you, 
you have your own uh, is it business slash media company it's called uh, dub network but before we kind of like dive deeper into that what, yep. what what inspired you to kind of like start your own uh, entity and business well a, a number of things i've loved hockey so much for a long time and i love numbers and i always like to read about hockey as much as i can like if there's articles or or books like i have a pretty vast collection of hockey books i believe it's somewhere around 200 hockey books um yeah so it was just something that was really interesting to me and it actually started with a, a, st a statistics website and then it kind of evolved into the media side and so now we do a little bit of both there's some media and some statistics and a lot of just having a good time writing articles about the teams in the western hockey league um, uh, and was there any uh, particular reason why you decided to focus around uh, the west uh, the western hockey league as the kind of target area target market yeah absolutely um the nhl is flooded i think in, in some ways a lot of people want to have the access to the NHL games and the NHL players. And so there are a lot of bloggers and news sites and a lot of people interacting in that way. I felt that maybe a little bit more of a niche market would be the Western Hockey League. And they have a fair number of teams and a very, like, the, the hockey itself is very good. And the people involved in the Western Hockey League are really, really good. And they deserve to have some more attention brought to them. Awesome, and then, and then in terms of market size, how big is uh, the audience base for kind of uh, WHL? Because everyone thinks um, obviously the NHL if they think hockey, right? Or the majority of people. Absolutely. Um, it's really hard to tell exactly how big the market is, but with Western with the Western Hockey League, there's uh, four Canadian provinces as well as two American states that have teams there. And they also have quite a, a lot of um, area that they are able to pull players from that includes more American states as well as like Yukon and the Northwest Territories, Alaska, that kind of thing. Um, the market, though, is pretty good. Like we've we've had several million page views on our website. And also, congratulations. Years. Yeah. Thank you. So it's it's exciting. And there's a big group of available people who can watch that. And then, like, a team just moved from Cranbrook, uh, British Columbia, to Winnipeg this past year. And so that is another market to for us to have and be able to draw in an audience from. Awesome. And then, so, like, when when you were creating a Dub Network, like, can you talk us a little bit through the steps and, and the process um, to, to how it uh, Ended, ended up being a uh, dub network like T with Mike, for example, started from a piece of paper. Is, is that how, so? How did your, your start? Did you write something on a piece of paper or did, did you have a friend? That's, um, that's kind of the sort of. Um, I started off with a, a hockey spreadsheet available on Google that anyone could look at, and that was stats. And then somebody I didn't know approached me about creating a website related to that. So with his help and my statistical knowledge, we started uh, something called WHL Stats. But then WHL Stats, was we were struggling a little bit because it was a lot of work to do. Like it was very, very tedious work to try to create the um, hockey database that we needed. 
And at the same time, we were approached by some some interested parties on creating articles related to the statistics. Oh, so, okay. So what kind of ended up happening is that that per, like those people joined our team, and then it evolved into doing more of the media side of what we were trying to do. And the media side has been really helpful in that we get to interact with all the players, um, all the coaches, the WHL staff, you name it. And it's just really come full circle because now we also have um, recently created another part of the website that's called Dub Network Scouting. And that is to scout people, uh, players, sorry, for the Western Hockey League. But we do it for the general public to look at, staff to look at, all that kind of stuff. And that is players in the Bantam age group that will be drafted into the Western Hockey League in that year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's actually, not that I know much, but that's quite, that's quite interesting. Firstly, how it's uh, come full circle. And then secondly, um, how you're, you're almost help creating right, the, 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 the missing piece in the transition uh, from Bantam and then obviously the, the, the players are fortunate enough to uh, get drafted uh, for the WHL. Right, and then also players that will get drafted into the NHL eventually. Oh, uh, oh and then up, up the right. chain again. Yeah, cool. um, and then also we have two other websites that are loosely connected with Dub Network. And that's OHL Network for people in Ontario and BCHL Network, which is Junior A Hockey for people in the B, in the BC area. Cool. And then, and then so, so, so how big is it? How big is it currently? How many uh, people are around the, on the team? Um, well, for Dub Network itself, I believe that we're at 20 people. Um, and then also, if you add in OHL Network and BCHL Network, we're at about 40 people now. That's that's really, that's really cool. And then so, is it what what's the like the operations behind Dub Network? Is it all these people like focusing on a specific area local to where they are? Yeah, that's generally. Yeah, sorry, Mike. Generally, that's what it is. Um, there are some people who cover a couple of teams or help us to cover teams where we have deficiencies because. We don't have all the cities filled at this time. Um, and then there's other people who have other specific jobs, like a, we have a content manager and a technology manager and a CEO, you know, so there are various positions that need to have somebody working in them. Awesome. And, and, and then so uh, moving forward, uh, post-pandemic, unfortunately, because it, yeah. it, it's obviously in the, uh, the sporting realm and like most things it's on hold what what are some uh, like kind of future goals that you have uh, with dub network specifically well um actually mike a little bit of what you're doing is inspiring us to do a little bit of video stuff too um this past uh, this past wednesday we had the whl bantam draft and we did our own zoom call and had the uh, facebook live how did it go um, it went pretty well. Uh, the, the the amount of page views was pretty good. Um, the views on the video, we had anywhere between 25 and 50 people on at a time. And That's really good. That's yeah, not bad. We, we did not hype it really at all. We did not do a lot of social media posting or anything like that. We mostly just uh, put a quick message out there just to see, you know, we're going to give this our first go. And 
it was a little bit of we, we were rough around the edges a little bit, I think. And we that's everyone. Like yeah, yeah we, we would like to certainly move um, forward with having some things in place that would maybe make our presentation a little bit better. But all in all, I think it went pretty well. Uh, we were on for three hours, which was nice. pretty long and pretty exciting. So, yeah. I don't think people uh, realize, just talking a little bit from my own experience too, like how exhausting it is, like uh, going live on uh, social media sometimes. Because in the back of your mind, you're thinking about the technical portion, but, but then there's always people dipping in and out. So you've got to keep them entertained. And then you, you've also, for what you're doing, well, you, you got to specifically deliver the message and the information that those people are going to find interesting. Yeah, you're really right, Mike. I found myself the very next day feeling pretty exhausted, a little bit tired, just not really all there, I guess is the best way to describe it. Like I just felt off for the next day. It is very technical and I, I don't envy people who do that on a regular basis. It would be uh, it's pretty interesting to see how they're able to manage that. Mm -hmm. So, so, so obviously, um, the pandemic has created numerous uh, challenges. Uh, obviously, the, the suspension of uh, most things for the foreseeable future. But the pandemic can also be a time for uh, potential opportunities and maybe a slight adjustments in um, strategy, especially around uh, the marketing side. So, do you think, as uh, seen as we're talking about it, do you think uh, doing social media lives and um, Doing more video can add a, an additional element to Dub Network. I think in some cases you're right. Um, it's tough. I know that a lot of people are stressing about what's going on in the times right now. Like that's something that's pretty big and getting people down, uh, myself included. You know, I've had my tough days as well. Um, I think that allowing our group or allowing people to kind of continue doing what it is they feel right is probably the best route to take because putting a lot of pressure on right now to do more or do extra or something that's different can cause a little bit of stress. Now, sure. on the other hand, though, Mike, I, I do think that um, we can work, work together to create more and better content um, for people, whether that's video or podcasts or articles. And just having a real good working together attitude in these times and understanding where maybe we have to pick up the slack for some people. Like there could be people on my team that are in essential positions, right? There could mm -hmm. be some people um, in, in, on Dub Network that are laid off and concerned about their Absolutely. family, right? So I think that by collectively working together and also talking to people individually, um, we will we, we come to the, to good solutions that are good for everybody on the team. Uh, very nicely uh, weighted answer for like obviously uh, both sides of the equ equation because mental health is definitely important and we're living in strange times that no that nobody's navigated uh, really had before. You're absolutely right, and that's. The thing, like we're trying our best to get ahead of it and stay afloat as well. Like we definitely feel some of it, like some of our sponsorships, sponsorships have, you know, had to uh, take a hiatus or a break. Some of our advertisers have had to do the same and we understand that. And so sometimes there's some trickle down effect with that where, you know, maybe what some of the places we are advertising, we had to pull back the reins a little bit or we had to 
you know, come to some sort of an arrangement or agreement with people. But again, I, I don't think that there's really anybody who is untouched by what's going no, on right now. Absolutely. And then so mixing it up again, like what sort of demographic are you finding or coming to your website to see the statistics, et cetera, et cetera. And also is there a specific spot in the country that's like a hot spot for whatever reason? Um, honestly, Calgary's pretty busy for us. I, okay. I think that that's one of our top cities, as is the Vancouver area. Uh, Portland and Seattle are also pretty busy traffic-wise on our website. It's tough on the demographic because I'll be honest with you, of course, our website is going to generally be 18 and over males. We have a lot of 18 and over males that come to our website. Hockey is popular among them. But I'll tell you, we don't go out of our way to exclude any particular demographic. We would love to see more females reading our website, being a part of our website. If I could hire four or five different um, women or more to write for my website, I absolutely would. And I'm open to having all uh, f lots of ladies join our team, as well as anybody else. Dub Network is definitely for everybody. Um, and we have absolutely no qualms with having anybody on our team. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's see. All right. So I, I guess right now, now we'll take a little breather and I'll, uh, so the key fact uh, for this particular episode is apparently this is true. Uh, one 32 ounce of McDonald's uh, sweet tea has, has, what is it? Basically has the same amount of sugar as two and a half uh, Snickers bars. And that comes from uh, kickassfacts.com. Wow, that's a lot of sugar. <laughs> you know, um, you? No, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, Mike, that uh, I drink chai spice tea with nothing in it. Okay. It's, uh, I, I take it what you would call black, like you would with coffee. But if I'm being honest with you, I'm a big coffee drinker. I drink a lot of coffee. And I've recently switched over from the uh, Tim Hortons to McDonald's coffee. Or I drink a lot of coffee at home. Interesting. Any particular reason for the switch? Um, you know, just Tim Hortons coffee was really inconsistent. I did find that they were, oftentimes it tasted wrong. Um, and also they would get our order wrong often. And McDonald's seems to have a little bit better handle on things. And I don't like yeah. to give free advertising away to anybody. But <laughs> to be honest, yeah, with you, their coffee just is a lot better the, recently. So I, I would agree. I would agree on your assessment about Tim Hortons, but between Tim Hortons and uh, Starbucks, obviously you're paying like substantially more for Starbucks, but the, the, the tea is much more consistent, strong, and and you know you can get a, a refreshing drink. I found often at Tim Hortons, if for tea specifically, if you didn't get the if you didn't get your tea when they just made a fresh pot, it was all like watery, like gray. Mm. Wasn't really tea, obviously. It was just a bunch of dishwater. That's, how That's I unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And then let's see. So, so yeah. So, uh, what's your kind of pandemic again aside? Um, <laughs> what's your kind of vision for uh, Dub Network in the future? I won't put a, a number of years on it because nobody knows how long uh, the pandemic is going to go on for. Yeah. Um. 
for us, Mike, we're just going to keep plugging along. There's lots of articles that we can write. There's lots of stories we can look at. There's lots of players and coaches and staff to interview and talk to. Especially at the time right now. Absolutely. And maybe they'll get tired of hearing from us because they, you know, they want to <laughs> live their life as well. But I think that right now, a lot of hockey players and coaches and uh, staff want to um, be able to tell their story. It's giving them something to do and it's creating a really good place for us where we're able to get some of the different stories out there that aren't maybe directly related to the game that was played last night, last week, whatever, right? Yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's such quite an interesting one and one that you could spin in a, quite a few different perspectives and because you, you ask them about their childhood and um, growing up in hockey, what are they missing about hockey, what's their favourite part about hockey. It's just interesting the, the different avenues it could go down. Oh, absolutely, and there's lots of different things you could do, like talk to some people who maybe played in the WHL 10 years ago and what's it been like since then. You know, how, how, how did your university or college education go? How did trying out in the pros, maybe some of these players went overseas, played in places like Germany or Switzerland? Russia. Yeah, right? So there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely some opportunities there to speak with some people about different experiences related to their hockey career. Yeah. I'm obviously not very well versed, but I understand and the only real hockey that I've engaged with is is more at the Olympic level, but my understanding is that the, the, the hockey like style and almost mentality and, and how it's put together is, is substantially different in uh, European countries versus North America. Yes, you're absolutely right. They are, there are. Um, we're starting to see a little bit of mingling of those things now because the world okay. is becoming so globalized. You are seeing more coaches style from Europe coming into North America and then also North American styles are starting to penetrate into Europe uh, and Russia. Okay so so a lot more like crossover between people moving like because it's obviously like anything it's become more global over time so a lot yeah. more. Absolutely match. like uh, recently a coach in the KHL which is in Russia was hired okay. from North America so you might see a little bit of the North American style of play on his team in the in the Russian league. Okay, you might not know, but I'll ask anyway. Like, like tr traditionally, what are some of the um, differences in the style of play between European hockey teams and North American hockey teams? Um, I think in Europe and Russia, Russia specifically, there's a lot more emphasis on practice. And okay. like repetitiveness, I um I haven't done a lot of like the the coaching side of hockey, or I haven't like I haven't played organized hockey in almost twenty years here in Canada, but I think that the the style here, um, it, it has a lot to do with the players as well. And I'm not you know admonishing the players for the way they practice here, but in Russia it's a little bit more regimented. A little bit more like a military style where here in Canada, I don't know that we are like that hard on our players and maybe Russia has loosened up a little bit. Like I know that that was definitely true many years ago, but Russia may have loosened up a little bit on their grip on how 
military they are and regimented about their hockey playing and how and practicing it's the tea with mike show 